Welcome to McKnight's Senior Living Newsmakers Podcast, where we share the latest information and views from industry leaders. Hello, this is Lois Bowers, editor of McKnight's Senior Living. I'm joined by Katie Smith Sloan, president and CEO of Leading Age. We're going to take a look back at senior living in 2022 and a look forward to 2023. Katie, thanks for joining me. Glad to be here, Lois. Thanks for having me. Over the past couple of years, COVID-19 has been the top overarching challenge facing senior living providers. Um, Looking back on 2022, do you believe that COVID-19 was still the number one challenge facing the industry? Well, I, I absolutely do. And all of the ways in which it impacted, you know, a number of things, including workforce, stems in large part from COVID-19. So what do you think were the top ways that senior living owners and operators uh, were continuing to be affected by the pandemic? Well, COVID's impact continues to resonate throughout aging services. And sadly, as we read the news today, it's COVID is not behind us. And even though in 2022, we were able to marshal some new resources, including vaccines and boosters, in our ongoing battle with the virus, it's still here and it's still impacting aging services providers. You know, the pandemics has taken a real toll on our mission-driven nonprofit members, their finances, their workforce, as well as their mental health. I mean, our, our members are tired. They're exhausted because they've been fighting this pandemic for far too long. And COVID-related government aid has, you know, as you know, for the most part, it has dried up. So, but at the same time, the cost of providing care continues to increase due to just health healthcare and aging services sectors are really tight labor market and inflation. Inflation is taking its toll. Medicaid reimbursements, which many of our members uh, rely on as a primary funding source, have not kept up with these rising costs. So the upshot of all of this is, is that access is becoming limited uh, for older adults in need of housing and services. Nursing homes, I know that's not our topic today, but they can't accept new residents in many cases. Home health providers are having to turn away requests for help because they simply don't have enough nurses. And senior living providers have had to reconfigure their offerings as well. So it leaves um, older adults and their families with, in many cases, the inability to access needed care and services. And as I said at the outset, the fight against COVID continues. And right now our members are redoubling their efforts to increase booster rates among older adults and staff. Um, we saw recent announcements coming out of Los Angeles that they were having mass ma- testing requirements for visitors. And we'll probably see more and more cities and states adding a testing requirement um, for visitation. So it's a real concern. And, um, you know, I think at the end of the day, collaboration at the community level is essential to keeping everyone healthy. Um, older people who live in senior living come in and out of the, of the community. They're part of the community. Uh, staff are in and out of the community, part of the community. So it's our collective responsibility to keep everyone healthy. Mm-hmm. It's difficult to disconnect some of the issues from the pandemic, but what do you believe are the other top challenges that senior living owners and operators and workers faced in 2022? Workforce, workforce, workforce. Um, I mean, the U.S. population is aging, 
and demand for services that our members provide for, to older adults and families is rising. And we simply do not have enough people to fill jobs. Um, it's a big issue. It's an issue about pipeline. It's an issue about recruitment, retention, training. And it's not just nursing assistance. It really covers um, jobs throughout the sector. Uh, we were talking to some of our affordable housing members about a week ago, and uh, the number of service coordinators vacancies in affordable housing right now is higher than it's ever been. And they're having tremendous difficulties recruiting service coordinators. Um, so we at Leading Age, we continue to push for an all of government approach to developing solutions. Uh, changes to policy, such as immigration, to our educational and our training infrastructure, which would we're asking that we draw on existing resources at the Department of Education and the Department of Labor and within some of the agencies at HHS and to begin to prioritize uh, support for our workforce. There is no one answer. It's it's gonna we're gonna solve this workforce problem with a with a combination of solutions all working together, but we simply have to prioritize older adults and our workforce challenges. I would also say that our, you know, what's very true, and it was this workforce was true, was a problem before COVID. It's been exacerbated by COVID. Also, a problem before COVID, exacerbated by COVID, is our country's patchwork approach to delivering long-term care. Very fragmented. Just last week, I sent a letter to President Biden with a radical proposal, which is the creation of a White House Office on Aging Policy. And the reason for this is that the concerns relevant to older adults, their family members, and the really hardworking people who serve and care for them span a range of areas and agencies from health and long-term care to housing, to technology, to justice, to agriculture, uh, to education, and so much more. And right now we do not have a coordinated approach uh, from the federal government to address these issues. So. We have responsibility in pockets within the federal government for policies related to aging spread across, we counted about more than 25 agencies. And while some aging policies within those agencies are certainly robust, there are also policy redundancies, there are gaps, and inconsistent distribution of resources. So the result of all of this is a scattered approach that is really inadequate for a country with a growing number of older adults. And um, the scattered approach impacts quality of life and you know, ultimately takes extraordinary tolls on communities and families and exacerbates some of the inequities in how we approach these issues. So from our perspective, it's time for our leaders to step up and take action. And um, one way they can do that is by intentionally coordinating the government's focus on aging. Where do you believe the senior living industry as a whole is as far as recovery from the pandemic? Well, I think it's, you know, that's a big question because the section is so, the sector is so large and it includes older adults with a range of financial situations. For low-income older adults, you know, options were limited before and they're continue to be limited, perhaps even more so. Demand for affordable housing and services far outstrips supply. And the, the horror stories we would hear about long, long waiting lists before COVID, we're still hearing about those. Um, and so we have, you know, far too many older adults who are underhoused, poorly housed, 
and really in need of a safe and affordable place to live. So that is, you know, that's a tremendous concern to us. Congress did in 2022 appropriate more funds for the Section 202 program, um, a program that we have long supported. But as you know, it'll take some time for that supply to come online. And in the meantime, uh, the need is growing. I think providers who serve low-income older adults as well as residents in the in middle and higher income levels will continue to navigate the workforce issues that we've already talked about. Um, they'll continue to f- face challenging challenges with operating costs and affordability. Um, inflation is definitely taking a taking a toll. Um, you know, in many of these communities, besides workforce, their second biggest expense is food, and we know that inflation has really impact, impacted food costs. So, you know, the, on, on more of a hopeful note, I guess, um, you know, our members are innovative. They're nimble. They've, they've for the last 32, is it 33 months? I've lost track now. Um, they've had to be nimble and flexible and adapt and adopt. And uh, COVID prove that they can do that. And I think they will continue to do it. Um, I think when you talk about recovery, recovery suggests that we're going to return to a former state. But I think what we're heading to is is certainly a new normal. And speaking of the new normal, in what ways do you think the industry is going to be permanently changed or affected due to the pandemic? And has your opinion changed about that uh, in the past year? So I think, you know, I think the sector has changed. Um, I think what we've come to understand more than we ever had before is how important our workforce is. Workforce is everything. We're in the um, people business in aging services. So it's really forced us to think hard about our workforce cultures, about strategies to retain the workers we have, and to think about how we attract people to to our sector. We can no longer take it take for granted that people will flock to aging services. We need to be much more intentional about that. As I mentioned, I think providers have innovated innovated and they have learned. And we've you know actually seen some positive come from the pa- pandemic. Certainly new approaches to infection control and prevention, some fresh attention to processes and rethinking of care, how we deliver care and services, telehealth, uh, the role that technology has been playing and can t- can continue to play in social connectedness, in creating efficiencies in senior living uh, situations, but also in wellness and in telehealth and telemo- you know remote monitoring and things like that. I think we've come a long way very quickly, probably more quickly than we would have. We've also seen more attention from policymakers as a result of the pandemic, and and you know that's good in many ways. So I'm. I'm feeling hopeful about a number of things. I'm feeling very hopeful about the Moving Forward initiative, um, which is um, focused, as as you know, on nursing homes, um, but could very well have implications in other settings because we've assembled a very broad group of stakeholders uh, working together to try to press for meaningful um, nursing home reform. And I think the future holds a lot for our sector. Demand will be high. And there's a great deal of possibility and there's a great deal of potential. We're at Leading Age very committed to working with a new Congress. Got, you know, it'll be a new day in Washington beginning in January and uh, new people to get to know, to introduce 
our issues and leading age to. And as we do every two years, we will spend a lot of time trying to sort out the new order on Capitol Hill, new committee members, new committee chairs, to see how we can make the biggest difference for our members in the sector. You know, elections matter. <laughs> they matter a lot. And um, so they matter for policy reasons. Uh, they matter for leadership reasons. And um, so we now will have to spend a lot of time getting to know this new Congress. We have done this time and time again. We're pretty skilled at getting to know a new Congress and learning about the agendas of our new leaders and um, are looking forward to working with the new Congress on issues that matters to us. So I would say in many ways, that's what we're looking at for the new year in terms of our policy priorities and our policy agenda. Mm -hmm. Do you have any expectations of how those kinds of policies and priorities might be received in the new Congress? Well, I think, you know, a couple of things. One is I think that there's heightened attention to um, older adults as a result of the toll that COVID has taken. And as long as, as COVID stays with us, they will, we will continue to have attention. I think that's a good thing because I think people are recognizing that perhaps this is a sector that's been overlooked. I have no predictions about what Congress will actually be able to do with a divided government. And I think time will tell. But right now, it's, it's hard to say, but it w will not stop us at all from advocating for the issues that we care about and we know our members care about. Well, thanks for taking the time to speak with me today. Um, before we sign off, is there anything else you believe it's important to mention? We now have the ability for affordable housing providers to go online in a portal and order test kits for their communities. And, you know, we know testing saves lives. And so this was as a result of a lot of advocacy on leading ages part, make, making sure that affordable housing was not left out um, of the need for pandemic um, intervention. So we're very excited about it. We think it's gonna be a game changer for our affordable housing members, make it really easy for them to um, help their residents uh, stay safe throughout the winter. You know, we've been in com regular conversations with both HUD and HHS, um, obviously throughout the pandemic, on an ongoing basis. And it became very clear that these were two agencies that weren't necessarily talking to each other. And while HHS was very focused on, on nursing homes and other healthcare providers, they weren't necessarily focused on housing providers. So we um, brought these two agencies together, pointed out the fact that living in affordable housing for older adults, a lot of frail older people who really need to be protected against COVID and providing test kits for them would be a game changer. And so by bringing these two agencies together and pointing out the very vulnerable population of individuals who live in affordable housing, we were able to make this important step happen. We have a long history at Leading Age of trying to bring HUD and HHS together. Um, we've had a, for years an agenda that's focused on finding ways to bring uh, services into affordable housing so residents can le live safely for as long as possible. And to do that, you need a high level of coordination between the two most the two agencies that oversee these uh, programs, health and, and housing. And so building on that uh, long track record of trying to get these two agencies together um, throughout the pandemic, we were able to get pharmacies to get 202 properties to be part of the pharmacy 
program that was targeted at nursing homes, recognizing that there's a group of older adults who live in affordable housing that really could benefit from from boosters and vaccines, et cetera. And so we've built on that uh, great track record, I think, with um, encouraging these availability of test kits for 202s. So it's an important step. It could be a game changer. Hopefully it will save lives. And that's what's most important here. Well, thanks again for taking the time to speak with me today. I know our listeners are going to appreciate your insights. This is Lois Bowers, editor of McKnight Senior Living. We've been speaking with Katie Smith Sloan, president and CEO of Leading Age. Thanks again, Katie. Thank you and McKnight's for the great work you do throughout the year reporting on the issues that impact our sector. Thank you for listening to McKnight's Senior Living Newsmakers podcast. For the latest in senior living news, visit McKnightSeniorLiving.com.